been. We've been in this series called Come, Let Us Adore Him. And we've been looking at this idea that the fact is that those that were waiting so long for their Messiah to come, he came. But for so many of them, they missed it because they were expecting something different, that he would come as one that would uh, establish them over Rome, give them back their, their lineage and their kingdom. And yet Christ came to save all mankind and to save them from themselves. And so they weren't looking in a stable. They were looking uh, in a palace. They were looking for somewhere else in which he would come. And in really the noise and the confusion of, of going to be counted in Bethlehem, this uh, couple comes in and before they know it, they're giving birth and the first people to hear about it are shepherds. And they angel says, come, come see what has happened. And they do. And we looked at that Today, we're going to be looking at the phrase, um, let us adore him, and we're going to be kind of underlining that focus of that, because one of the things that happens is, is that I believe the wise men got it right. The king of all kings had come. Let me say it again. The king of all kings had come. I shared this with you two weeks ago. Now, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, In the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who is born king of the Jews? For we saw his star, and when it rose, and have come to worship him. Have come to worship him. And by the way, we just went through what we in churches call a time of worship, singing of songs. Maybe there were singing. We know the angels sang, but they came bearing gifts. They came to bow. They came to say that you are above and I am below. When we worship, that's what we do. We put something up. We give it significance. We give it its place when we worship. And one of the things is, I will say, it's been an interesting journey. I I grew up in what is considered the Protestant faith. Uh, I've had friends that have come from Lutheran and Catholic. And, and one of the things I remember when I was younger is, is that um, there's a feeling sometimes in the Protestant church that we lose some of the awe of God. There's something about being in a place with stained glass and high ceilings and all that stuff. That there's an awe-ness to this because honestly we see him. His word says that when we look into the stars, when we look into creation, there's the awe of God. But sometimes in Protestant services, we can miss this where we've almost made God back into our buddy. And by the way, we should call him Abba Father, and he is a friend closer than a friend, but we can almost miss some of the things that we should do in saying that we should adore him. When we go through uh, our times of prayer for our rooted groups, we talk about adoration. And God has just been bringing me, for whatever reason, in this season, that with every prayer, he's been bringing me this place to adore him. That before I get into my pleas and my want list and my checkoff stuff, that I'm stopping and going, you are the God that needs to be adored. You're the God that needs to be worshiped. I need to see you for how magnificent you are. Because quickly I can jump, and we've all been there. It's just, oh God, thank you, and this, here's my problem. And yet the idea of it is, is that we need to come to him and just be able to say, God, I, I, I love you. Farther down in the same chapter in verse 9, it says, After listening to the king, they went on their way, and behold, the star that they had seen when it rose went before them until they came to rest over the place where the child was. And I love this verse 10. And when they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. They joyed with great joy. Because they were like, yes. 
This journey has come to an end to the very thing that we have been seeking. And so when they come into this place to meet Mary and this small child, probably around two years old, there's just already joy in them. And going into the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they fell down and worshiped him. What an awkward moment. It is. I talked about this a couple weeks ago, but I just want you to understand that this child is not probably full, gathering the full context. Jesus is not sitting or getting all this, but there is a need, even though he has yet to do anything but be two, that he has come. They're worshiping that he is the promise delivered. They are worshiping that the God who has said this and proclaimed this is faithful. They are worshiping because God has chosen to become Emmanuel, God with us. They are worshiping because of his presence changes everything. And by the way, I don't think that it is a a coincidence at all that our very calendar is based on Jesus' coming. Because he changed that much. I understand everyone wants to change the BC, do all these different things. But the reality is, we can play all the games we want. The coming of Jesus even changed our calendars. He changed everything. And they fell down and worshipped him. Then, opening their treasures, they offered him gifts of gold and frankincense and myrrh. So, here's what's interesting about that. <laughs> to a personal story. Um, uh, we have two sets of grandparents, right? We, I, mean, I mean, sorry, we have sets of grandparents. We don't, forget it. So we have Jody's mom and dad, and we have my mom and dad. Um, Jody's dad passed away right when we got married, and so we've had her mom. Uh, totally two different people, two different lives. So when Christmas came, um, my mom is the one, just so you know this, who goes to the dollar store, um, goes to the, the clearance rack and buys literally bushels of little pieces of stuff and wraps them and packs them in her car. And when you're four, that's awesome because there's just a lot of stuff to open. Does that make sense? My mom used to forget that she actually gave things to my kids and gave them to them again the next year. We got to the point with my mother that we said, Mom, a child will enjoy this gift. Maybe not ours. Because she just brought so much stuff. Does that mean, and by the way, that's her heart. Do you understand? I'm not making fun of her. That's her heart. Jody said her mom gave our boys savings bonds. Which, by the way, right now, they're very excited about. Does that make sense? They're cashing those suckers in fairly soon. Does that make sense? So now she played the long game. Does that make sense? Now they're like, woo, Grandma Jan. But at four, <laughs> thank you. Are you with me on that? So Joy would be like, oh, but it's really good. Try to tell them how it'll be great when they're 18. They're here now. It's awesome. I, gold, frankincense, and mirth. I don't see the two-year-old going, woo. I got the good stuff. Maybe shiny, smell good. But do you understand? There was a bigger picture of what was going on. 
They were giving gifts to a king. And so I just need you to know that they were doing their acts of worship. And how do we come to this place and give up our act of worship? So I was really struggling with this, just like, okay, God, help me to see this. And God led me to Hebrews chapter 1. And I know that we, this year, uh, in 2019, went through the book of Hebrews. So some of you are like, oh yeah, we talked a little bit about that, but we're going to dig a little deeper into a certain section. And Hebrews chapter 1 and verse 1 says, Long ago, at many times, in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. By the way, that is what the Israelites have been waiting for the Messiah to come, because they kept having all these prophets that say, he's coming, he's coming, he's coming, he's coming. Look at that. Many times, in many ways, God spoke to our fathers uh, uh, by the prophets. So again, for years, they would hear this message. He's going to come. There's going to be one that's going to come. He's going to change everything. It's going to be different. But I love verse 2. I love verse 2. I love verse 2. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son. Someone say amen to that. He has spoken to us by his son, whom he appointed the heir of all things, through whom also he created the world. We know that from John chapter 1. In him all things were created. Nothing was created. has not been created by him. This is Jesus who was a part of speaking into existence all that we know. And this is the one that took on the form of a baby and a child and a teen and an adult to come and be what was promised to us. He has spoken to us by his son. And again, he appointed him the heir of all things, that through him, whom also he created the world. Verse three, he is the, watch this, don't miss this. He is the radiance of the glory of God. I want you just to sit with those words for a second. He is the radiance of the glory of God. And the exact imprint of his nature. So one of the reasons why we so desperately want you to be in God's word. Is as we see you reading in God's word. And he deals with the beggar. Or he deals with the prostitute. Or he deals with the tax collector. Or he deals with the Pharisee. Or he deals with Herod. Or he deals with anybody. We get to see the nature of God. We get to see this unflappable confidence. They try to trap him. They try to, 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 to lure him. We get to see his nature and what he cares about. We get to see him bringing kids and putting them on his lap. We get to see him touching lepers. We get to see him doing what no one else would do. We get to see the nature of God in human flesh. And so let me tell you something. Be in the Gospels. Learn who Jesus is. Because I'm telling you, there are times you need to know that that Jesus is the one sitting beside you. That he's the one that, by the way, with rocks all laying on the ground goes, where are your accusers? I don't accuse you either. And he upholds the universe by the power of his word. Let me just say this. He upholds the universe by the power of his word. That's why he's blown away by the centurion. He says, if you just speak healing over my servant, my servant is healed. You need to come to my house. You just speak it. And it's done. And then Jesus went, I have not found faith like this in all of Israel. He upholds the universe by the word of his power. And making purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. Making purification for sins. Simple phrase. Died on a cross. Gruesome death. 
to give us hope. But he sat down at the right hand of the majesty of God on high. Verse 4, having become as much superior to angels as the name he has inherited is more excellent than theirs. For to which of the angels did God ever say, you are my son? Today I have begotten you. Or again, I will be to him a father and he shall be to me a son. And again, when he brings the firstborn into the world, he says, let all God's angels worship him. There's a reason why there was a multitude of angels speaking to the shepherds. Because there was a mandate that they worship him. That they see the sacrifice of leaving, listen, leaving majesty to come and be one of us. To be Emmanuel. To be the one that would be incarnate. And there is this proclamation, let all God's angels worship him. Of the angels, he says, he makes his angels winds and his ministers a flaming fire and have no end. But watch this. But of the sun, he says, but of the sun, he says, O God is forever and ever. Of the sun, he calls him God and said he is forever and ever. The scepter of uprightness is the scepter of your kingdom. The scepter of uprightness is the scepter of your kingdom. You have loved righteousness and hated wickedness. Therefore, God, your God, has anointed you with the oil of gladness beyond your companions. Verse 10. And you, Lord, laid the foundation of the earth in the beginning. The writer of Hebrews is giving to Jesus the accolades, the statements of, you're just not one who came to earth. You're the one that created the earth that you came to. Do you hear me on that? You are coming to the very creation that you created. When you stubbed your toe on a rock, you made that rock. When you walked into those waters in the Jordan, you created those waters. When you sat and watched the sunset over the mountains of Israel, you were like, I created not the mountains, not just the air, not just the sun, but it all. And within you, Lord, laid the foundation of the earth in the beginning, and the heavens are the work of your hands. Watch this. They will perish. Now, folks, let me say what's happening is, he's going, these very things that you created that we, by the way, hold on to, this, this, this earth and the mountains and the skies, they will perish, but you remain. They will perish, but you remain. They will all wear out like a garment. Everything he's created will wear out like a garment. Like a robe, you will roll them up. Like a garment, they will be changed. But you are the same, and your years will have no end. And you need to know that all of that is found in the manger. Watch 
All of that is found in the one that would say, I'm going to leave this. I'm going to come into my creation and I'm going to walk amongst them and I'm going to be with him. And by the way, he didn't choose the easy life. By the way, in scripture, it says that the people thought that, that because of the virgin birth, and that's what they would do, virgin birth, they called him the son of a fornicator. You need to understand in that culture, Jesus wasn't just like all the other kids because their mother was believed to have slept with another man and Joseph was covering it up. That whole family was a family of sin. And chances are, there were kids that were not allowed to play with Jesus. There were women that looked down their nose and shook their head every time that Mary walked through the village with him. There were guys that looked at Joe and said, oh, so sorry that he wasted his life on them. And then we know that his, brother, his brothers and sisters, they thought he was crazy. They actually came to come get him and bring him back because he was embarrassing the family. It wasn't like he came in, set up everything perfect and just lived this charmed life. I think he came in and realized how it is that we have, by the way, problems and issues and struggles. Some of you coming into the holidays have issues with your family. Some of you are fighting your past. Some of you are fighting accusations that could be true or may not be true. But nonetheless, you carry the weight and the guilt of those things. I wonder when Jesus became aware of that's what he gave as a gift to his mother, that she would always be someone that cheated on her husband before they were married. You are the same, and your years will have no end. And to which of the angels has he ever said, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet? So I want you to understand that the angels are mandated in verse 6 of Hebrews 1 to worship him, to adore him. And I'm asking you that when you look on your nativity set and you think of Christmas and the beauty of his coming, that your eyes don't linger there too long and your eyes look into these little hands and these little feet that were prepared for nails. And a heart that was prepared to be broken because of your sin. Your sin, my sin, broke his heart. And he gave that gift to you. And he deserves to be worshipped. He deserves for you to stop and give him, please, give him a moment. Give him a breath. And see him for how incredible he is. And the gift that he would come be one of us. I, I know this. That Jesus Christ, before he was crucified, said, Father, is there another way? I have to believe that before he came to, came to earth, there was a part of him going, is there, is there a plan B? Do I really want to be down there? But because of his love for you, and his, by the way, obedience to the Father, you are his prize. So I want to go back to um, 
I'm going to go back to a part of the Christmas story. For those of you that don't know, um, um, it's really kind of a beautiful thing. Um, so we have two, two children being born. One is John and one is Jesus. Um, John's father, Zechariah, um, would have been a, a priest, would have been as highly educated as you can imagine. Um, it says that basically the way the priests had worked, there's so many priests, and there's only so many few duties that could be done. And so you're, everyone would kind of rotate, and when it came your time, there literally was a lottery system where you got to go into these holy places. And Austin, honestly, I love this moment, Zechariah won the lottery. He's in the holy place. That's where an angel meets him. Now let me, let me say this to you again. I love this beyond more than you'll ever know. The religious man in the most holy place meets an angel who says that you will have a child. He says, how can this be? By the way, with a heart that goes, not possible. Are you with me? For that, he is struck mute because he did not believe that God, by the way, could. A young teenage girl in the town of Nazareth in her bedroom, listening to her iPod, mainly listening to sheep make a bunch of noise, but that's what she was doing, is visited by an angel. And the angel, same as Ek, angel says to her, you're going to be the father of God's child. And she says, how will this happen? God can do it. I just want to know how will it happen? You see the difference? A person that should have known better says, how can this happen? That's impossible. And a young girl with enough faith said, how will this happen? I'm, God can do it. I just want to know how. You see the, folks, let me tell you something. We need to be people that just see as a God that go, you can do anything. How will, how will this be? You can give me a new job. You can change my career. You can save my child. You can do, how, how will? Little nuance, big difference. So Zachariah, um, after um, he, they say, you're going to be mute till your son is born. John is born, and finally he gets to speak. But here's what's so funny. He doesn't even get to speak his words. I'm going to show you this. Luke chapter 1, verse 67. And his father, Zechariah, filled with the Holy Spirit prophesied, which means the Holy Spirit goes, I'm going to speak for you. I got this. I'm going to take over. So whatever microphone was in <laughs> uh, Zechariah's head, this Holy Spirit grabs the microphone and goes, I have some things to say. And if the Holy Spirit is speaking in this moment, I think we should listen. And his father Zechariah filled with the Holy Spirit and prophesied, uh, Holy Spirit saying these words. Blessed be the Lord God of Israel for he has visited and redeemed his people. Has visited and redeemed. Which means given their value. So redemption does. We all know this. You pay five cents at the store. For a can of Coke, you pick it to the place, it already has a five cent value. You give them the can, they give you your what? Five cents. So you already have value. The idea is, is that in his coming, we are redeemed. We're giving back our value. It's already there. For he has visited, redeemed his people, and raised up a horn of salvation for in the house of his servant David. And he spoke by the mouth of his holy prophets from of old that we should be saved from our enemies... And from the hand of all who hate us. To show the mercy promised to our fathers and to remember his holy covenant. 
The oath, folks, you got to remember this word, the oath. We're going to come to this in two different verses. The oath that he swore to our father Abraham to grant us. So what you have is Zechariah is going all the way back to Abraham to an oath made to Abraham by God. He's going all the way back. And he's remembering this oath because this oath changes everything. Watch this. The oath that he swore to our father Abraham to grant us that we, being delivered from the hand of our enemies, might serve him without fear. That we might serve him without fear. Watch this. In holiness and righteousness before him all our days. Now this is what I know. I cannot be holy and cannot be righteous in my own strength. But through the blood of Jesus Christ, I can. I can be holy and righteous because his blood washes me, cleanses me, and gives me a rightness with him. And allows me to be in a holy place with him. Now, let's talk about that oath real quick. It's found in Genesis 22, 16 through 18. And said, by myself I have sworn. By the way, God can't swear on anything higher than him. He's the highest, so he swears on himself. Does that make sense? You get to swear on whatever you think is important. Put your hand on the Bible. Put your hand on whatever your kid. I don't know. But God can't go any higher, so he swears by himself. Declares the Lord, because he has done this and have not withheld your son, your only son. So he's talking to Abraham, who was going to sacrifice Isaac, but he doesn't. Now watch this. He was going to sacrifice his son, but he doesn't. Hold on to that. I will surely bless you, and I will surely multiply your offspring as the stars of heaven and as the sand that is on the seashore, and your offspring shall possess the gates of his enemies. Verse 17. Uh, By this way, and your offspring, you need to know that, shall possess the gate of your enemies. Verse 18. And in your offspring shall the nations of the earth be blessed. And in your offspring shall the nations, not just Israel, not just the people from Abraham, the nations of the earth. Now, from this, Abraham's going to start the nation of Israel. But this oath goes to the nations of the earth will be blessed because you have obeyed my voice. So let's let Scripture interpret Scripture. I always love it when the Bible does my job. Here we go. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is everyone who is hanged on a tree. So, him being put on the cross became a curse for us, which means he took the curse from us and put it upon himself. Here we go. Watch it. So that in Christ Jesus, the blessing of Abraham, that oath, the blessing of Abraham might come to the what? Gentiles. The nations. So that the Christ Jesus, the blessing of Abraham, might come to the Gentiles so that we might receive the promised spirit through faith. To give a human example, brothers, even with a man-made covenant, no one annuls it or adds to it once it's been ratified. So here's where we need to get to. Now the promises were made to Abraham to his offspring. It does not say into his offsprings. Referring to many, but referring to one and to your offspring who is Christ. So what that's saying is this. 
Zechariah, through the power of the Holy Spirit, is reminding of the oath of Abraham that says, this is good for us, folks, because of your offspring, Jesus, we, Gentiles, get access to everything. We are brought in. We are adopted. We are given sonship and daughtership. So back to, to this is go, let's go back to Luke. Let's go back to Zechariah speaking in prophecy. And he says this, and you child, speaking to John, will be called the prophet of the most high. For you go before the Lord to prepare his ways, to give knowledge of salvation to his people and the forgiveness of their sins. Listen to me. I don't want a king that's going to give me a bunch more rules that I got to keep. I want a savior who sets me free from the rules I will break. To give knowledge of salvation to his people, the forgiveness of their sins. Because of the tender mercy of our God, whereby the sunrise shall visit us from on high. The sunrise. Well, who created the sunrise? Jesus himself. Shall visit us from on high. To give light to those who sit in darkness. And in the shadow of death. To guide our feet in the way of peace. Jesus came. And is worthy of our awe, is worthy of our worship because he came and he holds the world together and yet he came to the very world that he created. He created the wood that he was nailed to. He created the iron that was formed that went into his skin. He created the thorns that were put around his head. He created the gall that was put to his lips. He created the whip the elements of the whip that tore his back apart. And he came to that creation and said, I'm here. I have come to do this for you. He was 13, 15. Through him then, let us continually offer up a sacrifice of praise to God. That is the fruit of lips that acknowledge his name. Folks, may you just worship him by acknowledging his name. Do not be ashamed of his name. Do not be ashamed of the one that came to his creation to give us life. Do not be ashamed of the one that would come and be born and put in a feed trough for your sins. Give praise as you just acknowledge his name. Now, when someone says, What are you about? I'm about his name. I'm about his name. May we be people that come and adore him. For all of this is going to get rolled up like a robe and he's going to be forever. 
but he's promised through an oath that through him we get to be with him forever as well if we choose him. So yes, celebrate his birth, but his birth is celebrated because of what he did for us to give us life and to give us hope. And with that, let me pray for you. Heavenly Father,